Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. We have just about recovered from Alan's birthday, which happened to coincide with the Edinburgh win versus um, Saracens. Alan, how are you feeling Sunday morning after the big one at the at the Stonex Stadium? Mate, 28 and feeling fabulous. You do look you look terrible for 28, to be fair. <laughs> Mate, everyone was saying I looked hench. That's true. In that photo that we put up on um, on Twitter, and I think I put it on Instagram when I was absolutely battered on the way home as well, um, you looked bigger than Pierre Sherman, but like in a good way. It's the it's the, that sort of puffer jacket sort of gives you a sense of size, but not about sort of like the, the depth underneath. I don't know. Were you standing on a box as well? You looked you look, you were towering over him. I'm a big lad. What am gonna what are you gonna say? <laughs> Matt, it it helped, you and I you and I right till the to the bitter end on Saturday. Sunday a, a tough one? Yeah, it was, it was quite tough actually. I was gonna say um it helps Alan if you've got a five XL new birthday jacket standing next to um <laughs> your scuba. Um, upgraded from the two XL. Yeah, no, it was it was a it was a great great day out. We a few pints in uh before and after and hend in RFC. I think we might have been the only people there, but very welcoming atmosphere, nevertheless. Despite the fact none of the they had no running water, but yeah, it was good. It was good. The weather was terrible. We sort of ended up in like the we were definitely sat in like the friends and family section of Saracens. <laughs> we were with like a lot of the um, definitely with like the Edinburgh Wags, and uh, yeah, it was good. It's quite the weather wasn't particularly great, but. Maybe that's what made Edinburgh so um, so comfortable. Well, obviously, because we'd bought standing tickets and obviously immediately turned up, so I was pissing with rain and went straight to the seats under the cover. But yeah. there's still like this bulk of like 400 people 
who, rather than going to the empty seats, like stood out in the rain, only because I assume they like felt because they'd purchased a standing ticket, they had to stay there. Like you, you can't be choosing that <laughs> when there is the option <laughs> of cover and a seat, right? Maybe people have just got better morals than us, Alan. Well, yeah, those guys are real fans. <laughs> the absolute, the absolute we diehard. To, we, we were also next to quite a few of the Edinburgh fringe players, or like the twenty fourth man, or whatever. Um, yes. and they were all shouting, "Come on, Gunners!" quite a lot. So I don't know if they're bringing that back now after the it'd rebrand. Be, it'd be good to bring it back for the ultras that never left. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> For those who remember the, the good old days at Marseille. Not that Johnny come lately is down at win it beating Saracens at the Stone X. I mean that is a that is a hell of a result. And we will be coming on to talk about all of that as well as Glasgow's close um loss against uh, away to La Rochelle. Um and also looking ahead to the the fixtures this weekend but firstly let me just remind you where you can find us if this is the first time welcome along you can also join us on twitter at thistle rugby pod um on instagram thistle understroke rugby understroke pod and sign up to the newsletter which is absolutely going great guns um it is the only sub- independent scottish rugby newsletter it comes out monday mornings it's on substack thistle scottish rugby podcast we'll put the link in the bio of this pod if you've not subscribed Already, why not join thousands of others that start their Monday morning with some of Matt's like wordsmiths, uh, wordsmith um, sort of articles right in your inbox first thing on Monday mornings? It's not bad at all. But before we get into the um, Edinburgh game, which uh, we obviously experienced live um, at the weekend, couple bits of news breaking over the weekend. One concerning Edinburgh, Sam Skinner, Scotland um, international. Um, is rumoured to have agreed a deal with Edinburgh to join them next year. It was reported in the Telegraph on Saturday morning. £280,000 a year. Matt, happy with that bit of business if it comes true? Yeah, I I don't think I quite appreciated how much of a squeeze the salary cap is putting on the Premiership because you'd think that someone like Sam Skinner is exactly the kind of guy Exeter want to keep in terms of um, covers a lot of positions, comes to their academy. And he's been a pretty like important player to them um, over recent years. But I think that he's like a really high quality signing for, for Edinburgh. As I say, I think he's he's always played well for Scotland. Um, is used to that like higher level of competition that Exeter exposes him to. Uh, a lot of versatility. And yeah, I wonder if, it'll, if he'll be able to bring a lot of that sort of winning mentality that clearly they have at Exeter to Edinburgh who obviously are doing some pretty good things at the moment but still haven't managed to quite convert that into silverware Edinburgh shuffling the deck does this mean somebody's likely on the way out Alan could this be the end for Big Ben Toulouse maybe well you think so because I think if you said a week ago Grant sorry uh, Sam Skinner's coming north where's he going I think most people probably would have assumed he was going to Glasgow because they Feel like the team that's probably in need. In need, although I appreciate you do have that the the big uh, Dupree South African kind of going up. But yeah, I feel well, you now got you have Skinner, Gilchrist, Tulis, Sykes, Hodgson. Um, who else? So I'm sure there's like one or two others sort of flowing around, and it's a lot of depth. And also for players like Sykes and Hodgson, probably just a 
if no one does leave, I guess it's just how do you make sure that they get the game time that you know we really want them to to get? Because ultimately, it feels like both players have sort of developed quite a lot in the twelve months, and you don't want to kind of have anything stall that. So yeah, you. Th- I mean, I'm I would almost suggest Tulis and Gilchrist potentially. But Glenn um, Young, you got Glenn Young as well. Um, and who, who's literally literally just come up right as well yeah he's he's been injured I think this whole season I mean I, I wonder if it makes sense for one of two of us or Gilchrist to go across to Glasgow yeah no, it's, it's a good shout um, I mean I, I feel like there is an argument for almost both of them um, leaving just given kind of some of the performances coming from the, the younger second rows this year but mm. at a minimum you would think that probably Ben Tulis is maybe kind of coming to the end of his time at time at Edinburgh. What a time it's been! I mean, he's really tracked his rise has really tracked the rise of the thistle, um, and we've, supported, <laughs> we've we've definitely supported him all the way. Maybe you know, after a few episodes, we we got on board. Certainly, it um, kind of feels like Tulis's career is sort of like petering out to like quite a quiet end at the moment. Is that what's happened with the thistle? Which yeah. is under the radar, petering out over the over the next. <laughs> Six, six no, to twelve months. Nobody's listening anymore. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is just this is just a vehicle for us three to get together and talk show. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, that's never stopped us in the past. But um, another bit of bit of um, wicked whispers around Exeter trying to trim their salary cap. Um, another rugby podcast and a few people in our DMs speculating over the future of Stuart Hogg down at Exeter. Um, I think it was on the Egg Chasers. They're saying that he might be coming north. Alan, do you put much stall behind that sort of stuff? Well, I think maybe sort of a year ago, I I wouldn't have, but it's increasingly hard to see where Hogg goes. I think, to, to Matt's point earlier, a lot of the English clubs are under a lot of pressure, especially as their sort of marquee players roll off the contracts. So finding kind of cap space for someone like Hogg, who, you know, at the moment is probably on sort of 400 grand. And I imagine he's looking for like a pretty big paycheck to kind of see off the kind of end of his like peak years. But then at the same time, has Hogg really lit up the the Prem over the last two and a half years, you know, he, he does have to play a lot of international rugby. I just sort of struggle to see where a match is made between a kind of Prem club and what they need and what they have available and what Hogg probably wants from a sort of um, salary standpoint. So it sort of leaves you then with kind of, I would imagine, coming back to Scotland, France, and then a sort of a rogue one of Japan. And... I don't know. I think if you sort of look at those three and you sort of look at him as sort of a personality, it feels like potentially Scotland is the most likely option. Is there room for him at either of the clubs at the moment? I would say, well, given the fact that Befele is going to be the next first minister, I'd say there's no room for him at, at Edinburgh. If I'd, I'd riot. I think the people of Edinburgh would riot if they replaced um, Befele with Hogg. He's <laughs> such, such a fixture. He's a come in our hearts. I th- I think by the end of the year, Josh Mackay is going to be his deputy because I think he's oh. like, I, I've said it in the newsletter. I think Josh Mackay will go down as one of, if not the best signings that a pro side has ever made. I think he's that good. Like, I think he's. Who's, current, good who's currently sitting in that top position for you, Matt? Just well, if we spend um, spend five minutes in your brain. Maybe someone like Nakarawa for Glasgow. Um, yeah. Uncle Big Maybe Max. like, 
Darryl the second Marfield time, yeah. For Edinburgh. Do, yeah, Duhan for Edinburgh slash Daryl Marfield. Matter. Matter could be up there. I just I think that is one of the roguish shouts you've ever made. <laughs> and I think in three years' time, you'll look back and you'll be like, I was a complete idiot. What about Josh McKay? Yeah, I'm going to say that. You've been sucked Why? in by the, highlight, by the highlights. By, by the did, fact you watch, did, you, did, did you watch him on Saturday? I watched the second half and he looked pretty good. <laughs> he was he was I think he was the best player on the pitch in the first half. And like I think he's living it exactly up to that highlight reel so far. We'll see. But it is a fair point on Josh McKay. You know, ultimately yeah. he's a he's a young guy who is clearly his best position is sort of the fifteen. I think he can play wing as well. But then to your point, you know, do Glasgow if Glasgow do have money you know, given that performance against La Rochelle, is is fifteen kind of the best way to kind of allocate it? I'm not I'm not too sure. So you're then kind of into this p- a place where you're like, well, potentially if it was if Edinburgh and Glasgow were independent teams, they might not spend it on a hog. But then ultimately they're owned by the SRU. Hog is captain, and there hasn't been anything that's come out in recently to suggest that he's not going to be at least for the next sort of year or so. So ultimately, does it make sense to sort of bring him back and sort of start to kind of integrate him in sort of the wider sort of SRU sort of machine as well? I'm at, if they want to sort of you know, utilize him as they do people like Chris Patterson or Mike Blair, etc. I, I don't know. Feels like if, there's potentially a bro- an, an, an argument to kind of get him into the SRU system again. Yeah, I if Buffelli doesn't become first minister, I I don't see him being at Edinburgh for that long. I think this is a like probably an opportunity that came up, not something that was necessarily on his radar, and he's taken it. And I'm not sure how long his deal is for, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him move on fairly quickly to France again, or maybe to Japan. Like, and I, I I wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, and that potentially leaves the space open at Edinburgh, um, which I think is kind of be quite a weird thought to see uh, of Stuart Hogg in an Edinburgh shirt, but then I suppose Johnny Barkley did that, and you could argue whether that worked or not. But I think that was probably a similar signing. Um, Barkley was probably I, a different. Oh no, I guess he wasn't really at a different stage of his career, he was, was he? Because it was still pre twenty nineteen World Cup. Yeah, exactly. He was still you know part of the. You know, he, he was, was absolutely hanging when he was at Edinburgh, though John Barkley. To be fair, it, well, it didn't work out, but. I wonder if, you know, uh, as you say, Alan, they, they tried to bring him into the broader Scottish rugby setup. And that means that his, you know, his uh, Edinburgh wage is like subsidized slightly by that in the same way as I think Barclays was. Yeah, Barclays, when Barclays came back to Edinburgh, it was subsidized out of the Scotland budget. Exactly. To get him back to Scotland so they could get him to than the 19 World Cup. But I wonder as well, just sticking on Hoggy, like if he doesn't go back to Scotland, looking at the Premiership, do you, do you think he'd go to a Gloucester or a London Irish, for instance? Like teams who I think could accommodate him and a team who I think, that you know, they're not on the bottom end of the table. I think they've still got enough ambition and are pushing for playoffs and like teams on the rise do, do you think he'd 
kind of settle for that like premiership downgrade as it were i think so i think we sort of discussed it offline i think ultimately he's the whole sort of one of the clear sort of draws of extra was winning trophies and he's done that right he's won champions cup and he's won the premiership and you imagine he might potentially win um one of those this year as well as extra sort of rebound so potentially to your point you know he might just want to at least maybe even like a two-year contract really just try and maximize as much like his cash value as possible and then look to kind of go and get that final contract back up at Glasgow. You know, once Josh McKay's become the best player in the world and been signed by like Racing Metro, <laughs> Hogg then gets shipped back in after maybe like a two-year gig. I, I think actually somewhere like London Irish is probably a pretty good, pretty good shout to be fair. They've got sort of um, a couple of like real young wingers, but um, I, I don't think they've got sort of a very sort of clear option at 15. I think they've they've got that Tom Parson guy who I think is a pretty important part of the team. But I wonder they 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 seem pretty content to splash the cash around. So I wonder if it would be a bit of a statement from them. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I reckon a turn somewhere else for a couple of years, back at Glasgow homecoming, a turn in the SRU corporate department, back to Glasgow as MD replacing Big Al. Yeah, there we go. Maybe like a year at like Old Glory just to finish it off. Yeah, something at Old Glory, and then maybe a a swan song at the Southern Knights in the Super Six. Jink Hoggy would ever pull on like another Borders jersey, or do you think he would just go back and play at Hoik? Hoik YM. <laughs> <laughs> just play until he's like forty. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Hoik, just like settle back into the community. <laughs> you know. That, that would be great. The other bit of signing news that's come out this week, and I think it did surprise quite a few of us, um, Ali Price has re-signed and committed his future to Glasgow. Um, Matt, were you quite surprised to see uh, Price stick around? Obviously, with his um, his sort of stock rising after some fantastic performances for the Lions in Scotland recently. Yeah, I mean, he's been at Glasgow for a long time now, so I think if he had announced the move, I, I wouldn't have... Uh, had an issue with it. I, I suppose that with pre- as we talked about the pressures and and salary cap in England, for instance, like do you allocate a lot of your budget to a scrum half? I think you can argue that that money's better spent elsewhere. Um, and I think the fact that he's now lying is going to put his him in a pretty good bargaining uh, position. But he must be at top end of earners in Scotland now, though. Yeah, probably. Has he had 50 caps for Scotland? I, think, I don't think he's reached 50 yet. Not I think quite 50, but maybe like, high 30s, maybe? Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, he's like 28 years old. He's probably at his highest value, in a way, um, as a yeah. scrum half. So, I think it's, it's a pretty big coup, actually. And I suppose, you know, there are these persistent rumours that maybe Scott Cummings might be leaving. So, to, to keep him on board is is I think pretty good, pretty pretty um like good news overall for for Glasgow and a, a pretty big boost to them. He's had four forty five caps for Scotland, three for the Lions, so he's almost there. That's because Cummings definitely Cummings committed to like twenty twenty four. I don't know I do. where I don't know where people get these sort of rumors from, but I'm fairly certain. It's, oh, well. I don't think they specifically said it, but it's at a minimum twenty twenty three. But I think people um 
think it might be till 2024. Well, the Cummings rumor came off the um, the Scotland program that had him listed as a Saracens player. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and just people, I think, have just gone with it since then. I went um, with it for a little bit. Tried, <laughs> to, tried to dig around. Had a friend of a friend of a friend who was a physio at Saracens once. Just that's the lens we go to to understand this shit up. <laughs> um, but I guess in Dubois, you know, clearly his stock is pretty high. Um, he's going to be, well, he's going to be 29 in the summer and he's going to be 31 probably when this contract ends. So this was probably, you would think, his sort of big contract or his peak sort of negotiating period. So I think maybe a little bit surprised that he he went to, that he stayed with Glasgow. I, I probably thought you might see him going off to France, actually, kind of taking advantage of that, to your point, that post, post-lines boon. But I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing. He's, he's clearly... Um, an ever important player for both Glasgow and Scotland. Bad and news for George Horn. Mm, I will, interesting. Yeah, I mean for for Horn, he's he's sort of getting further and further away from Price, and Do- Doby's getting closer and closer to him. It's a little sandwich there, isn't there? So no, it's difficult. I, it's it's one of these things. It's never. I don't know why. It's never. It's never just quite clicked uh, you know looking back at that um you know glasgow extra game when he scored it was he scored the one to try was it tommy seymour that scored the one to try that started from their own yeah um, he, he he gave the scoring pass to seymour yeah that was it was around that time when i think horn sort of was starting to kind of creep past price mm-hmm. both in terms of glasgow and, and scotland and he's I would say even more than stalled. I'd say he's actually probably regressed a little bit since then. He did have a, he did have a big injury. Yeah, I don't even think he's necessarily got that much worse. He just hasn't kicked on. Whilst Ali Price has obviously taken his game to a new level, and that gap has widened between the two of them. Yeah, that's fair. I I. I I think again, it just gets so annoying because obviously Glasgow don't release how long players are there too but I, I think his contract at a minimum will be this summer but probably 2023 and you'd have to think again that with price there and Dolby coming through he's probably looking for he's probably gonna have to be looking for a new club and i imagine both parties him and glasgow are probably not that bothered about it i would say maybe mm. yeah I can't imagine his wage will be that high, though. I mean, he's got 10 caps for Scotland, and maybe his last contract will have reflected something like that. But um, I think he probably needs a move, though, right? It looks like the, the, the SRU, are, they're long on Doby, on Doby coin. They're expecting an awful lot of return on that in, as like the, the heir apparent for Ali Price, right? They invested early as well. They've got in early. They're going to take Doby to the moon. We can extend this crypto meme any further, but um, yeah. So he does seem to be like the immediate potential loser from that news, but Glasgow, obviously the winner. Yeah. Time to liquidate horn coin. Liquidate horn. <laughs> that's pretty dark actually. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> oh, turned into <laughs> accidentally. Bloody hell. Um, well, that is, I think is any other sort of sc- signing news. Should we make up a rumor or something? Or do you want to move on? Let's move on. 
We can move oh, on. Mar- can... Marfo's been signed by a um, yes, a Dubai um, recruitment talent recruitment consultant. So fair play, absolutely fair play. Living the life in Dubai, the the life of a king that he deserves. Yeah, imagine getting pl- getting a phone call by like a recruiter out of the blue. Oh Christ, these guys, what are they after? And you're like, whoa, it's Darren Marfo. I would take any job in Dubai if it was yeah. sold to me by Darren Marfo. <laughs> Before you say anything, it's a yes. Yeah, I'd be like, wait a second, Daryl. Your commission is sorted for the year. Don't worry. Um, yeah, so that's the last bit of signing news. You can check that one out on LinkedIn. It is verified. He's got a very, very good professional headshot. Um, so always good to keep tabs on Daryl. But I suppose, does that mean that his rugby career is over? I think we've got to take that as a... He's not, he's not coming back. Uh He'll be playing for the what, the Jebel Ali Dragons. That's where all the that's where Mike Phillips was the coach slash player for a while. Good. Well, just keep in, himself in warm. Yeah, exactly. Keep himself fit. Keep you never know when machines. we might have. I mean, Scotland are only ever like two injuries away from like a severe prop crisis. So always good to have COVID, these former professionals. Yeah. yeah, particularly COVID. Like you could have a Cardiff situation, and you know, Marfa's brought in. There is a thirty percent chance Gordon Reed gets another cap for Scotland. Oh yeah, he was yeah. playing for he playing for Mar at the weekend, wasn't he? Is he back at Mar? Yeah, or maybe I don't know if he was actually playing, but his face was definitely on the Mar team sheet, which would suggest that he was all, his name was also in it. But I was flicking through, so there you go. Uh, um, he was on the bench. He was on the bench for Mar. You can't oh, even get a start from R. You'd be so gutted though if you were who were Mar playing. Yeah, your GHA, your uh, I don't know who their props are coming on. Like, oh, are you joking, like, Gordy? Come on, fifty minute mark, he trots on. Well, I did see that Mar went on to win that game quite comfortably, so maybe it was the impact off the bench from Gordy Reid. But let me draw this back to some semblance of order, and let's focus on one of the most significant or one of the best wins for a Scottish team in Europe in recent times. It may have been in, uh, in, the, in the week up, but Edinburgh going down to Saracens and winning 21-18. I mean, as I said, we were there. We were sitting amongst the Savala family. It was a big day for all of us, um, seeing young Charlie run out um, and get a big game under his belt. But Alan... Edinburgh beating Saracens. It was it was a bloody good day, wasn't it? It was. It was. I mean, outside of the apart from the weather, it was a great yeah. day. And I and think a, and a fantastic performance as well. It helps as well, obviously. When I think we went in with broadly quite low expectations, um, especially when Itoji got uh, got kind of given the AOK at the the last minute. Poor. <laughs> Tim Swinson was on the front cover of the program and then got kicked out of the 23 with two hours to go. Um, but no, I think I would say that sort of the main reflection of that game was just how good that Edinburgh pack were. And, you know, yeah. going into the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, both in the scrum, but also kind of just generally around the, around the pack, around the park, sorry, I felt like coming to their match, the Edinburgh pack had sort of um, had the better of um, of their opposite men, and um, I mean someone like W. P. Nell, just like 
for someone who's essentially like a relatively old man, or not that old now, but like you know mid mid thirties, to still be sort of putting in those that sort of performance, you know, it does it does feel like, um, yeah, it was just great to see. Yeah, it, it really was, and it certainly felt, particularly in that scrum, um, the referee was it was a little bit fifty fifty, but certainly as the game went on, Edinburgh were sort of quite dominant in that area of the of the set piece matt were you impressed with that sort of performance up front or were you sort of uh well no let me ask the question again we were impressed with the performance up front what did you think about the backs particularly savala at 10 well i think it, it wasn't a day for the kind of rugby that we've seen from edinburgh in recent weeks and and that sort of style that likes of miano velicott buffelli and, and graham when he was fit have I've really benefited from, uh, benefited from, but I think that they adapted really well to the conditions, which I thought would suit Saracens. Really, um, I thought that Bellicott sort of curbed his attacking instincts quite well, box kicked pretty well. And I think actually bringing on Pergos at fifty-two minutes was—I never really thought I'd say this—but like almost like a game-winning substitution because Pergos's box kicks were absolutely on the money the whole time um and particularly as the game was heading into that sort of final 15 minutes and ultimately you probably the weather was so bad you didn't really want the ball you wanted to put it in opposition territory and try and make them do something or, or force a mistake um his kicking was was spot on um and i think savala was really really solid and then the one moment where he was able to show sort of more of his attacking game was, you know, ultimately a bit of a game-breaking moment, scoring that try at a really important game and uh, important time. And that, I think, combined with Nell's dominant scrummaging sort of sucked the life out of Saracens. And what about our future First Minister, Buffelli? Um, we, we were talking about it in the stands and it has been a, a sort of a, a running conversation point on the pod. Buffelli, sort of, is he showing up that, just how bad under the high ball Stuart Hogg is, Matt? <laughs> I wouldn't put it that way, but... Um, but I've asked you, so you, whatever yeah. you say now is on the record and you have to stand by it. I do maybe feel more confident with him under the high ball. He's also very good at chasing the high ball, which that's probably not fair in Hogg I think he puts up quite a lot yeah. of high balls and doesn't necessarily chase them, but... Um, yeah, I was almost, I was quite surprised when Edinburgh initially announced his signing because I would have thought that someone in France would have paid quite a lot of money for him. And I, I would argue that out with maybe a lot of the Leinster players, like he's one of the best five to ten players in the whole of the URC, I think. So I, having him at fullback that solidity under the high ball is good at kicking and also his, apart from one pretty horrific shank, um, the ability to bang over penalties from 40, 50 metres fairly consistently um, is a, a massive asset, particularly if you don't have, um, you know, a kinghorn in there. And, and Sabala, obviously, the one takes some, some pressure off him. That one he did kick from just over the, the halfway line, cleared by an absolute country mile as well. Like yeah. the 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 distance he's got in that boot is 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 serious. But I think I think once again, like it was as we said, it was, it was the pack was just absolutely incredible. Um, I thought Mac and Ali had a really good game. 
there's maybe like yeah he's maybe come under a bit of pressure recently but i thought he was a real leader and the fact that Nell basically held up Vunapula for a long long time and then absolutely destroyed him and then his sub and then his replacement came on and he only lasted 14 minutes before getting yellow carded like just absolutely incredible to see yeah. um and i think that you know guys like Crosby and Haining who don't necessarily start the biggest games or, or start regularly mm. you know with with Mata and Richie both played really really well I don't know why, but I was really shocked at how big Luke Crosby was. I didn't. I just maybe I just didn't think he was that big. But when they were up close, it was Sykes, wasn't it? Sykes, Gilchrist, Crosby, mm. and Haining. Yeah, and they're all absolute. I always kind of forget that Haining's obviously six three, and he's sort of the smallest of the four. But yeah, yeah, one of the few times I've really sort of looked at a Scotland team in general in person and been like. They're all absolute units. <laughs> but Mar- Marshall Sykes is extraordinarily large for, what is he, like 22, 23? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's a lot of depth to that upper body. Big old boy. He's huge. Big old boy. We sound um, like that bit in Rocky Four when they're like, I can't believe the size of this Russian. But that was basically <laughs> what we were like on Saturday. <laughs> no, and I thought actually Bradbury, you know, ultimately probably two of um, Edinburgh's kind of best players of the season or just you know, generally Scotland's players over the last kind of um, period, well, maybe a bit much, Watson and Lang, you know, both went off quite early. Yeah. Both have been playing kind of quite well, relatively solid. And then for, you know, Hutchinson to come on and then Bradbury came on and had what I thought was like a pretty good sort of half of rugby, kind of really didn't didn't seem to lose anything from Watson coming off. Yeah, it was just generally, I think, quite a heartening display. Matt, do you think it was a big? Do you think the Edinburgh boys? It was a bit sweeter to win the Callum Hunter Hill Derby. Yeah, as it was, I'm sure, unofficially called on the uh, on the flight down. A um, couple of tasty moments, though. Just, I think I don't know. There seemed to be a little bit of niggle on the floor. Good to see. I mean, I think one of the most impressive players in Saracens was Andy Christie, who is Scots qualified. Yes, um, it'd be interesting to see whether a young guy he might have designs in England but I'd be tapping him off if I was too new yeah he was inter- interviewed in the rugby paper and he sort of said he's keeping his international options open but he played um, Scotland under 16s scored a try for Saracens and yeah look, he, do- he does look like a very very handy player so you, Andy if you're listening you, to this come on in <laughs> do you guys remember the last time Edinburgh played um, Saracens in London uh, Champions Cup at Vicarage Road. Yes. Uh, well, tw- la- early 2013, they, Edinburgh lost at home 45-0 yeah. and then lost 40-7 um, to 7 in, um, in, the, in January 2013. Give me... I've, I've give, both got five attempts. See if you can name me some players that were in that um, starting team for Edinburgh. Starting Edinburgh team, 2013. Yeah, uh, January 2013. Jan 13. Uh, Tom Brown. Tom Brown was not in it. Well, the only reason I say that is because he doesn't listen to this and we are pals. There's a video on YouTube of Tom Brown error-prone performance versus Saracens. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's the, I think it's the Murrayfield match. Um, 
and the, the the kind of still is just Edinburgh nil, Saracens forty five with him on his with his hands on his head. Poor guy. Was that around uh, the time he got his cap, or a couple of years after? I, I don't know. I think he must. Does he not get his cap? Two thousand summer twenty twelve. Yeah. yeah, it was the it was the Australia Tour twenty twelve, wasn't it? Hmm? Yeah. Let me. Well, maybe let's not go through that. I'll, I'll name you some big names in this team. So you Greg got, Laidlaw. Laidlaw at ten. Yeah. Mike Mike Blair. No Mike Blair. Ben Cairns. Cairns at thirteen. Ross Ford. No. No Ross inside, Ford. Who would have been inside Cairns? Um, James but, King. No, the other player in the centres is is still a professional, still playing. Matt Scott. Matt Scott, yeah, Matt Scott oh, right, nice. in the centre with Laidlaw at ten. Um, Big Viss on one of the wings. Big Viss on one wing. Um, Patterson. No, no Patterson, Patterson can't have still been going twenty thirteen. <laughs> nah. I'm You've running got, a little bit, running a little bit short in the up front. <laughs> trying to think, the other winger, chunk. chunk, no, no chunk. Actually, well, there's two players, three players, sorry, who were playing this weekend. Who oh, were, who Nell playing. would have been over by now, was he? Yeah, so Nell, Nell was starring. Yeah. Um, Gilchrist. Gilchrist was in the row. With a name that I, I don't think you'll name, but you with that guy in, in a row that you won't name, but when I tell you, you'll be like, oh yeah, that guy. Well, so this is interesting. The the guy was playing six in this match. But he's, and he still plays? And he still plays. He was For playing at the weekend. Yeah. Ah, uh, Rambo. Rambo, yeah. Yeah, before he before he made his move. Very good. Right. Let me give you some of the big names here. Fifteen Tonks. Big man. Oh, big Greek. Yep. Uh, scrum half. Richie Reese. Working I knew with it was Rich I knew it was Richie Reese. <laughs> big is, um, is, Andy Titrell, is Andy Andy Titrell at Hooker? Andy Titrell's on <laughs> the bench. Oh, <laughs> But you do know you, you you're a big fan of the Hooker who started. Uh, Steve Laurie. Steve Laurie. Oh, big exactly. Steve Why he was he was down at the weekend. Was he? He's part of the Edinburgh team, isn't he? The, oh yeah, yeah. I thought you were playing. I thought you'd seen him in the crowd, and you've been like, "Oh, it's Steve Laurie." Yeah, <laughs> you really made me question myself there because it's not the first time I've said something completely fucking wrong on this podcast. But so the second row, the other second row. Is like a really rogue name, but he was definitely like the other in the row for that the big Heineken Cup run that Edinburgh did back in the day. He's English. Perry Parker. No, great shout though. Perry Parker was on the bench. Uh, Sean, um, Sean Cox. Sean Cox, correct. The number eight was also the main may man in um, Talai. The seven. Yeah. I still can't um, even Rod- really remember. Oh. No, I, honestly, I, I still, I'm still can't remember this guy ever playing. Can you give us a clue? Like, he is European, but doesn't play for a Six Nations team. Do you remember? Uh, kind of, I, I couldn't tell you his name. Dimitri Basilea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and mean, so that's the team that, that chipped 45 points to 
Saris. Yeah, a couple of makes other a lot, big... makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a lot of sense. A couple <laughs> of other big names on the bench. Um, Pierce Francis. Oh, England uh, legend. England legend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Dunkey Taylor was on the bench for Saracens. I think there's uh, another. There's the, maybe it's the same guy that made the supercar of Tom Brown mistakes, but there's definitely a video of Piers Francis playing terribly for Edinburgh in one game. Yeah, there is. Yeah, no, for sure, 100%. Weird time, Owen Farrell 13 when they had Hodgson at 10 and Barrett at 12. Um, well, I think didn't, didn't Owen Farrell make his England um, debut or one of his first games at 13 I think they yeah. went I think they went Hodgson Barrett Farrell against no, Scotland maybe I'm sure they did so um, yeah found it Piers Francis poor performance for Edinburgh versus, versus Racing Metro well I mean at least Tom Brown is it the same is it the seconds. same guy yeah yeah Tom Brown's only 45 <laughs> seconds long this is who this is, is this YouTube minute. guy that's just being like right I'm gonna absolutely body people online I once saw um, Piers Francis in the standing order, which for people who don't know is a Weatherspoons on George Street in Edinburgh, having a pint with his girlfriend. I was like, the vast mate. majority of people who are like, listening know about like, the standing what? order, Matt. I was, like, I was like, mate, what are you doing? You just come to the standing order for a casual pint. Standing order is a very beautiful building and a great place to buy reasonable beers. Yeah, well, you, you go there to have like, you know, eight pints of 99p jukers, not on a kind of quiet date. They still do 99p jukers occasionally, don't they? Yeah, I've taken dates to the standing order. Don't you sit in your high, <laughs> you sit in your high horse looking down at the people, all right? You're taking, you're taking Freya there this weekend. <laughs> yeah, we're cur- currying a pint, 6 just ha- Just sit, yeah, just, just put the car seat down while I just have a solo meal. <laughs> Shall I try and wrestle this conversation back towards rugby? Fair. Um, Glasgow. I think we're done with Edinburgh, aren't they? Aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, I guess the only thing great, they've also kind of played it quite well where, you know, now they have a, a, a week off before obviously the first 1872 Cup game um, on the 27th of December, whereas obviously now Glasgow have to play, have a six-day turnaround against Exeter and then obviously go into Christmas and then the 1872 Cup. So I think, you know, Edinburgh have got to be going in, you know, that's got to give them a bit of a sort of probably heavy favourites going into that first 1872 cup match, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. I'm sure we will get there at some point. But let's talk about Glasgow. Um, going down eventual losers um, to La Rochelle, 20 points to 13. Matt, you, you were pretty impressed with this Glasgow performance, though. Yeah, I was. I, I think on another day, they could have won the game. I, I think that for whatever reason, they fell foul of the refereeing interpretations on the day, particularly at the breakdown. I mean, it, it does still feel mad to me that you can have an English referee um, refereeing a top 14 against a URC um, op- opponents. And then people say, oh, well, it's there's different interpretations across the league. That, that to me just... I've heard of like Northern versus Southern Hemisphere, but I just, I don't understand how we've got to that situation. Um, but I think beyond that, like they fronted up, they're always up against it in terms of the forward battle, but I think they fronted up really well. I thought that Dempsey once again was one of the best players in the pitch. I thought he actually probably outplayed Victor Vito. Uh, Rory Darge was up to his usual tricks. 
And I thought that Xander and Matt Fagerson had like some of their, I think particularly Xander actually had one of his best games in a, in a long time. Um, Ali Price directed things well. And I felt when they got their strike runners into the game, like Stain and Mackay, um, they looked dangerous. It, I, I think it was just La Rochelle are an absolute beast. And once they get a bit of momentum, it's, it's difficult for any team in that competition to, to pull them back. But yeah, I don't, I don't think a bonus point away from home is, is the worst outcome in the end. Yeah. I was, so I was looking at some of the comments, especially that Fraser Brown made after the match where he was sort of questioning kind of the work rate and a bit around kind of some of the, the mindset of the players in terms of them kind of getting back up and, and really kind of working in, in defense. And, and I actually thought that was pretty harsh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think whether I think they were at a few points um, under pressure when La Rochelle started to get their offloading game going, like using that strength and contact. Um, but I think they actually scrambled pretty well. And I think for in particularly lead up to Stain's try, like the work from the forwards in terms of trucking it up, like big heavy carries, recycling the ball, to to me would speak to like a lot of effort going in. Yeah. No, I completely agreed. And I think you know, ultimately the benches were always going to be a bit of a big difference as well. Like there's mm. always like for, for Lewis Bean can like bring a lot to the table. But there was just like a really key moment for me where it was like Lewis Bean versus like Will Skelton. And I was just like it's just like not a contest. <laughs> and for it's just, Skelton. Yeah. For Skelton, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I felt that the the front five in particular just made made such a big difference. And you, you did kind of feel like Glasgow were hanging on at points, like doing really well. Yeah. But obviously like Kebble got an injury. Kebble was playing really well actually. And then picked up an injury held on till half time batty came on who once again i think he actually played pretty well but like turner comes off matthews isn't as good a player as him um pieretta the same with fagerson and i think miller came on in the second row ali miller like you're asking quite a lot of these guys really and it's not going to get any easier despite being at home against exeter this weekend um Alan, do you think we can expect some a result here? I mean, Glasgow have played Exeter about 150 times in the Champions Cup in the last few years, um, and there have been a couple of decent results. And all the games we've got since have been absolute bangers. That's so, true. I'm, as long as it's hopefully a clear day, I think it could be a pretty pretty great match. And um, I don't know. I think, look, obviously Exeter... I've had that sort of win against Saracens and gave Montpellier a bit of a pumping, but that Montpellier team for appears to have been relatively weak. And, you know, I actually think kind of the last few games for Glasgow, I, I think there's actually a lot there. And I think especially that starting 15 is incredibly mm. strong. Mm. And I think if you can get a dry day on that 4G, I genuinely think Glasgow um, could take down Exeter. I'm not confident, it, but... It I'm, is I'm, indeed due to be a, a dry day. Is it Friday night or Saturday? Saturday. Saturday, 5.30. 5:30. 5:30. Yeah. 
both I, I'm, uh, I'm the same, both dry Alan, days, but it's going to be about two degrees by the time they kick off. <laughs> I, I'm the same, Alan. I think that Glasgow will take a lot of confidence from being able to go toe-to-toe with a European heavyweight. And I think that Exeter have obviously come to Scotland quite a lot in recent years, and they've always been very close games. Um, and I, I do think that Glasgow have as much, if not more, firepower in that in that back line. Yeah, and I think probably six the same, basically the same team. Maybe if, if Rufus McLean is is fit, bring him in for Cole Forbes, probably. Yeah, Forbes just didn't really get a chance in the same way that Stain did, for instance. So it feels, yeah. Carl Stain definitely feels like someone who's you know, if if the if the opportunities aren't coming to him, he's going to go hunting for it. Whereas Cole Forbes maybe doesn't quite have that sort of part of his game yet. Mm. I, I think Stain is quite quickly becoming like international standard, and I think actually like you could put him into that Scotland team against. You know, in, in the autumn against South Africa, for instance, and I think he would do pretty well. His off kickoffs, <laughs> yeah. To be fair, Ross Thompson's kickoffs are beast as well. Gets mm. unbelievable hang time. Um, I thought Stain was like a bit unlucky, but no, I think um, I agree. What are your thoughts on the the centre combo? Obviously, we've had I, it a I, few I, times. Yeah, I, I think they both do like a lot of work like they're, they're good in defense and they they carry well i i'm still not 100 percent convinced by two below two um cause, but maybe that's being unfair because I, I kind of expect him to be more of a an explosive um runner that would create line breaks and i actually just don't think he is that kind of player like i think he's actually more of a 12 maybe than a 13 but I, I still think they link pretty well. I still think that in quite a lot of Glasgow attacks, they were able to vary the the distributor. So sometimes Johnson was given the pass, or two below two was. So I think it kind of works. I mean, I suppose I'm trying to think of what the other options would be there. Like Stafford Madal seems to have kind of fallen out of favour slightly. I was also quite a big fan of him as a good rugby player, as a good sort of rugby brain. Um, yeah, I don't know who else you'd really put in. Yeah, I guess they don't seem to like Stain as a centre. They seem to see him now sort of almost exclusively on the wing. Because, um, yeah, you're right. Once you sort of put, take him out and you've, you're kind of left with, obviously, McDowell, Grigg, and then, I guess, Pete Horn, right? I guess. And then Is he the, still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still in the run squad. You know, coaching... Yeah. Air, I think it does does both. Does both? Yeah. Get you get a guy that can do both. Yeah, fair enough. It'll be interesting. I imagine. Wonder if they'll at least bring whether they consider ever using Miotti, or whether I, I would like them to keep Ross Thompson playing. Um, but I guess obviously Diego Miotti has played a lot of high level rugby this year. I'd say Thompson had. Good moments and and not so good moments. Mm. Whether you consider bringing someone like him in for the for this match, I don't know. Miotti just doesn't seem to be a favourite of the month, though. I think that 
even in these sort of bigger games, they put Weir on the bench rather than him. Yeah. Interesting. So, Matt, are you going to put your money where your mouth is and say that Glasgow are going to win the Stuart Hogg and Johnny Gray derby? Um, yeah, I, I think they'll win. I'd, I, I'd really like to see them win a close match. Um, I think it will be close. I think the the extra will be favourites, but I think that with like a packed out, nearly packed out Scots and hopefully... I think that might be enough to to tip it in the Warriors' favour. And as I say, I think that that match against La Rochelle will give them hopefully quite a lot of confidence. Your man Josh Mackay just rounding Hoggy for a last-minute win and just being like, this is my house now, kid. Can't Mackay, come back. Mackay will put up a high ball, chase it, take it off Hogg and then score. Yeah. Well, that'll be very good. Alan, what about you? Can't wait to see it. I'm going to go <laughs> with... I'm going to be a realist and say I think it's going to be an extra win by three. I think it's going to be close. And I think if Glasgow can get a lead kind of near the I don't I think if Glasgow need to start chasing extra, they don't they can't win this. But I think if they can kind of get out in front, then I think they've got a good chance. There we go. Well, another weekend of great European rugby coming up. Just one game to follow rather than two, but it will be Glasgow um, against Exeter on Saturday night. And then we will be back next week to take on the preview for... Is it, is it then 1872 Cup the weekend after that? Well, it's not on a weekend. It's on the 27th, I think. Oh, it is, yeah. So there's Christmas... Christ, I keep forgetting. So there's Christmas and then it's sort of in that midweek, right? Yeah. So we'll pod on Christmas Day. <laughs> See if yeah. we can swing. Just trying to think when the teams are going to come out. If it's twenty seventh, yeah, Boxing Day, three p.m. Christmas Day. Yeah, In three p.m. Christmas Day. Roseburn from midday on eighteen seventy two Cup Day. It's bigger. It's bigger than all of us. Some, I mean, some of the promos that the SRU have been putting out for the eighteen seventy two Cup. Can you name an eighteen seventy two Cup legend, Alan? Um, who I would say Duhan is a bit of an 1872 cut legend with those uh, those two interceptions. Yes. Christine definitely was Christine. that last. Oh, that try at the at the death. Yeah, fourteen yeah. man Edinburgh, hundred percent. Oh, shit, there is actually some uh, some 1872 cup legends. Yeah, and there was a few a few recent ones. Um, no, I'm excited. I I wonder if they're going to drop any more unite the clans content. It would be nice, but I mean, the United city's city. already been united, though, hasn't it? Yeah, but it's constantly disunited, <laughs> deep, you know. Yeah, those wounds run deep. You need to keep bringing it back together just once a year. It is. It's like I often feel that, like, the people of like sort of um, Bonnie Rig are like sort of nipping over the edge. It's like sort of Russia putting pressure on sort of like Ukraine and like the Baltic states. There's always a chance for like a sort of a fracas. <laughs> like the the sort of like the Gorgi Polworth border, just what yeah. you don't want to see. Exactly. Well, no. we will absolutely we will absolutely be back to talk about the 1872 Cup either before Christmas or just afterwards. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed. In the meantime, that's at Thistle Rugby Pod. We're going to be dropping some fantastic try of the season content for Scotland, Edinburgh, and Glasgow over the next few days, as well as the complete nonsense that was usually on there. Um, and sign up to the newsletter. And 
Matt, you did one last year. You going to do a little Scottish rugby Christmas quiz to get everyone get everyone excited? I hadn't thought of that, but I will. I'm, I'm doing minimal work, it. minimal work uh, in my day job at the moment, so I have a lot of time in my hands. So I will get on that. Well, consider that a promise, listeners, and uh, we will be back with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.